Happy March! Spring is right around the corner, and today on Locked On Jets, we're going to talk about a position group Joe Douglas called a top priority when he was hired. How good of a job has the Jets' general manager done improving it? We'll talk about it on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. It's Tuesday, March 1st, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and that now includes YouTube. If you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button, and you'll never miss an episode. If you happen to be watching on YouTube and like what you see, give this episode a thumbs up. Helps out the channel, helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Well, today we're going to continue our series, breaking down the Jets position by position, and we're going to move to the offensive line. When Joe Douglas was hired, he talked about how improving this group was a top priority, I have to tell you at the time, that was music to my ears because my view was that the Jets under Mike McCagnon did not view offensive line as a big enough priority. They underinvested in the position. They did not use early draft picks to improve the offensive line. The center position was always a mess. In fact, if you go through the archives of the early years of the Locked On Jets podcast, odds are pretty good you're going to come across an episode, maybe like every other episode I was ranting about how Mike McCagnon was underinvesting in the offensive line. And listen, I love offensive football. I love fireworks. I love playmakers. But on some level, football is really a game of physicality. And you have to control the point of attack. And for too long, the Jets, it's not just that they failed to control the point of attack. It's that they did not even really emphasize that in their team building. They did it on the other side of the ball. The Jets clearly have invested quite a bit in the defensive line over the last decade or so with varying degrees of success, but there at least had been an attempt. There really was no attempt under Mike McCagnon to build up the offensive line into a dominant force. Now, I don't know that you can build an offensive line into a top-tier unit in a year or two, so it's going to take more time, but this is a good point to see where the Jets currently stand on the offensive line. So we're going to talk about the seasons prominent players on the offensive line had and what the Jets might look to do in the offseason. So let's begin with a guy who, frankly, had a disappointing year. It wasn't really his fault, but it was a disappointing year, and that's Mekhi Becton, who obviously only played one game against the Carolina Panthers, got hurt on a play which was actually Zach Wilson's first career touchdown pass, a very good play, one of Zach Wilson's best plays of the season, where he rolled to his right and found Corey Davis in the end zone. But Becton was hurt on that play, and after Becton's injury, he suffered a knee injury, It was kind of surprising because the Jets gave you the idea that it wasn't going to be that serious. And, you know, Becton, when he first went down, I think everybody feared it was going to be a season-ending injury. And then the Jets kind of gave you the indication he'd be back again this year. So you kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And then he never came back. So it's difficult to say what's going on with Becton. And I think he had a very good first season in context because I was expecting him to be much less refined than he was. I'm not acting like he's the most refined player in the NFL, but he was a little bit further along than I thought he'd be. He definitely showed flashes in the run game. 
And he showed flashes as a pass protector. He wasn't as good of a pass protector as he was a run blocker, but there was better results than I was expecting that rookie year. And I think that there is kind of this perception that Becton struggled. I don't know that I agree with that, but I also feel like, and I said this last week, the fact that the coaching staff is making left tackle an open competition on some level says to me that there's some dissatisfaction with Becton. And nobody's said this explicitly. I don't have any insider information on this. It just seems to me that when you draft a guy as high as the Jets did in the first round in 2020, and one year later you're saying he has to compete for, two years later you're saying he has to compete for his role after not playing due to injury, especially at a cornerstone position like left tackle, it shows me that maybe there's something happening behind the scenes. And I don't know exactly what it is, but you draft a guy to be your left tackle, your franchise left tackle in the first round, high in the first round. You're expecting that guy, you're counting on that guy to be there for like a decade plus. And missing a season due to injury, even if the the replacement plays well, that's not going to change your plan. And honestly, I don't know whether Becton ends up at left tackle long term. I think there are some questions about maybe whether he's better suited to the right side. But I don't know that the season George Fant had on its own was good enough to lead to a shakeup at the left tackle position. So that tells me, again, there's probably something going on behind the scenes. I don't know exactly. I don't want to, like, start rumors here, but there's something that doesn't add up there. So there's something going on there. Now, I will say George Fant did a very good job replacing him. Fant, who I think was a disappointment in 2020, did not perform all that well at the right tackle position. In fact, in that game against Carolina where Becton got hurt, was probably the worst Jets player on the field. He had a horrible game against Carolina. And part of the trepidation after Becton getting hurt was the idea that Fant was going to play left tackle. Well, he goes to left tackle and plays pretty well for most of the season. Is his season a little overrated? Yeah, I think it was. The pressure rate was not spectacular. He really struggled in the run game. But he gave you credible left tackle play. And that's important. Getting credible left tackle play can be the difference between being able to compete and not being able to compete. Now, I know the Jets had issues in 2021, but the season could have been completely destroyed by the left tackle position, and it was not. And that's a credit to Fant. And he's going to get a chance to compete for that starting left tackle job, according to the Jets coaching staff. I think he's earned it. Again, it's not that Fant did not earn it. It's more, it's kind of interesting that they're, so down on Becton that they're allowing fans to earn it based on the season he just had. It's a it's a good season for fans. I'm just not sure it was good enough that if your only focus was on your franchise left tackle who you just drafted, that it would be good enough to displace him. But Fant played well. Is it a situation where he can play the left side but not the right side? I think that, again, that might be a little overstated. I think maybe with Fant, the improvement, we're not paying attention enough to the guard he was playing next to because the guard next to a tackle can be really important. People forget this, but the Brickishaw Ferguson's second season with the Jets in 2007 was a bad season for him. And there was actually talk, and it's crazy to think about this now because the guy was rock solid for the better part of a decade, but his second season was a rough season. That year, the Jets made a big mistake. They had a quality left guard in Pete Kendall, and they essentially got into a contract dispute with him over a million dollars. A million dollars, and they traded him to Washington. And they replaced him with a guy named Adrian Clark, who was just brutal. Maybe the worst offensive lineman I've ever seen play for the Jets, which is saying something, because I've, you know, I've been watching the Jets for three decades now. 
I've seen my share of really bad offensive linemen. Adrian Clark may have been the worst offensive lineman I've watched in my three decades following the Jets. And the Brickishaw Ferguson struggled as a result of the guard next to him. And I think that perhaps playing next to Elijah Vera Tucker instead of Greg Van Roten had a big impact on fans. So let's talk about Elijah Vera Tucker. There were some struggles at points, as you would expect for any rookie. I think he was better as a run blocker than he was a pass blocker, but I think you saw a lot of promise there. I think you saw flashes of a guy who could be a pro bowl guard. Was he a pro bowl guard this year? No. Again, you expect a rookie to come in and there to be a few struggles here or there, but I, I take a lot more positive than I do negative from Elijah Vera Tucker's rookie season. I think if you asked me before the season what kind of year would you call successful, it'd be more or less the season Elijah Vera Tucker had. You want to see growth this year? What If there's no improvement, if he's the same player in 2022 as he was in 2021, I don't think you can call the season a success, but I think that there was a lot of good from Elijah Vera Tucker, so I saw, I'm very satisfied with that. Let's move over to center. You got Connor McGovern, who was my player of the year. A few year, a few weeks ago, I did the awards, and I named Connor McGovern my Jets player of the year. Really rock solid. And again, if you are a student of the history of this podcast, you know that there have been many rants about the center position. I mean, I grew up watching Kevin Mawai. We moved on to Nick Mangold. We've been spoiled at the center position. Jets fans who have been fans even longer than me. I've seen a lot of a lot of other quality centers. And then I have to watch after growing up on Kevin Mawai and watching Nick Mangold play. I got to watch guys like Wesley Johnson and I got to watch guys like Spencer Long, which to be fair, I liked that signing at the time. So I guess I have to get a little grief for that one. Ryan Khalil, again, and what signing that I liked at the time was awful. Jonathan Harrison filling in those years. I mean, it's nice to at least have steady center play again in Connor McGovern. And I think it's important to have a guy like a Connor McGovern, especially when you're trying to develop a young quarterback, because typically, both in the run game and the pass game, the quarterback and the center are working in tandem to kind of figure out what the defense is doing, try and make sure the blocking assignments are correct, because depending on what happens on a given play, the assignments can change quite a bit. So having, when especially when you have a rookie who's kind of learning what he's doing out there, it can be important to have a quality veteran center in there in Connor McGovern. So I think he did a very good job. Then you have Greg Van Roten, who was bad. I don't think it was Adrian Clark bad, but he was bad. Was he Wayne Hunter bad? Well, maybe, even though Wayne Hunter was a tackle. Greg Van Roten hurt this offense quite a bit, and I think him getting replaced midseason did help things along. You know, Greg Van Roten, I thought, had kind of a credible year in 2020. He wasn't great, but the objective of signing Greg Van Roten was to try and kind of get Brian Winters' quality play for half the price of Brian Winters, because the Jets cut Winters during training camp in 2020, and they replaced it with Van Roten, who was making about half as much money. I think they more or less got that, but you know, Winters is not a great player, and I think Van Roten regressed a little bit in 2021. I think he regressed a lot in 2021. He just went from a guy who was giving you play you could live with to a guy who was just unplayable in pretty much all phases of the game. And the last guy I'm going to talk about in this segment, who's kind of a starter for the Jets through most of the season, was Morgan Moses, who I thought was a great signing at the time. And this one I was right about. You know, I've mentioned some of the signings that I've liked in the past, whether you're talking Spencer Long or Ryan Khalil, that did not work out. This was one that I loved that did work out. I In the, today's NFL, 
I think you need three starting caliber tackles. Not easy, easier said than done because there aren't that many good tackles in the league. A lot of teams don't have two. There's some teams that don't have one starting caliber tackle. But when Becton went down, having Morgan Moses and having Morgan Moses on an affordable deal really helped this team out quite a bit. Durable guy, good in the run game. You know, some issues as, as, as a pass protector, no question. But starting caliber tackle. Not a pro bowler, not an all pro, but as a number three tackle, I think he made a big difference for the Jets this year. Not having a quality tackle, again, is the thing that can really hurt you off. I think it hurts you more on the left side than it does the right side, but not having a quality right tackle, especially next to Greg Van Roten. If you had a right side of the line of Greg Van Roten, the guy who's a subpar tackle, I mean, this offense, as many issues as it had, it would have had even more. So I think Morgan Moses helped the Jets out quite a bit. So those are the starters. The Jets did see some backups get appreciable playing time this year, however. Were they good enough, or do the Jets perhaps need to improve their depth on the offensive line? We'll, we'll dive into that ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday. Today we're talking about the offensive line for the Jets. If they improve that position group, perhaps they can be in a playoff game next year you can bet on. However, football is over for this season. Basketball, though, is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline. Where the game starts. Thank you again for making Locked On Jets your first listen or your first watch every day. We're free and available on all platforms. If you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube and like what you see, give this episode a thumbs up. Helps out the channel, helps other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Today, we are talking about the offensive line. In the first segment, we talked about the starters. Now let's talk about some of the backups who saw a significant action this season for the Jets. Offensive line depth is something that is difficult to find in the NFL because we've gotten to a point in this league where there just aren't that many good offensive linemen. So forget about having good backups. Having good starters is a challenge for a lot of teams. It was a challenge for the Jets for many years, although I think they've gotten enough good players to have a decent offensive line now. Let's talk about some of the backups. And I guess the first guy to talk about wasn't really a backup. It was a guy the Jets acquired near the trade deadline from Kansas City, Laurent Duverday-Tardif, who was a very good starting offensive lineman for the Chiefs for many years. He sat out the 2020 season. He's actually a trained doctor. He sat out the 2020 season to help out with the pandemic in Canada, which is where he's from. Came back this season. And the Chiefs kind of did him a favor because he wanted to play. He wasn't really in the Chiefs' starting plan, so they traded him to the Jets and really got nothing in return. They got Daniel Brown, who they ended up cutting and who ended up returning to the Jets. So shows you that the Chiefs really respected him. Duverday Tardif stepped into the starting lineup at right guard. There's no question he improved the level of play the Jets were getting from that position because he replaced Greg Van Roten. There were some games that were up and down. But he was obviously better. I think he, there were some games where pass protection in particular was an issue for him. But a guy who more or less fit in well, I think, stabilized the right guard position, even if he wasn't playing at a Pro Bowl level, an all-pro level. Interesting case heading to the offseason because does he want to start? Well, if he does, 
is there going to be an opportunity for him? And you wonder the games where he didn't play well, how much was rust an issue? Because it was close to two full calendar years that he hadn't played when he took the field for the Jets. So is the guy we saw the guy you can expect in the future? Can he get back to the form he played with Kansas City? Again, he was an improvement. I don't think there's any question that he stabilized the right tackle, uh, the right guard position. But there, I think there are questions about what he can do going forward. A signing I really did not like last year was Dan Feeney, who stepped in, especially a couple late-season games, replaced Connor McGovern. Played pretty well, actually. A guy who really did not have a history of playing well for when he played with the Chargers. But actually was decent enough as a backup, so perhaps he could be a depth player going forward, although I'm not sure how much he could sustain it. I mean, we got a lot of bad film on him from San, from his days with the Chargers, so who knows what you got in him, but a guy who I thought actually played pretty well, a guy who did not play well, however, was Connor McDermott. And see, like, I don't like having a guy like Connor McDermott on the team. And listen, all due respect to Connor McDermott, it's very difficult to make the NFL, very difficult to get on a team where you're a backup who can step in and get playing time. And the Jets did have some injury issues along the line. He played some tackle at points. He played a few other spots. But to me, every player on your team, every player on your 53-man roster in your practice squad should fit one of two groups. Either they're a good player today or they're a developmental player who could help you in the future. And Connor McDermott doesn't really fit either of those. He's just, I mean, it was rough. He did not play at a quality NFL level when he was in the lineup. I don't think he can do it at any position on the offensive line. And he's going to be 30 years old. So I don't know what you're getting by bringing him back. I don't know what the Jets were getting by keeping him this past year. I just don't think he's the right fit. You know, when I talk about some of my rants about Mike McCagden, one of the things that always annoyed me about the Jets under his leadership was it wasn't just that they failed to find quality depth on the offensive line. It's that they kept bringing back the same backups who couldn't play year after year after year. So to me, like, this is a guy Joe Douglas has to let go. I mean, I don't know what he, maybe he's a good locker room guy, but you're not going to improve your depth. And the Jets actually did have pretty decent depth on the offensive line. I think it got stretched to a certain point this year when they suffered too many injuries. But Connor McDermott, I just don't see as part of the plan going forward for this football team. I think they, if you want to improve your depth, you can't keep bringing back the same veterans who really are not quality backups. So that's not a guy I'd like to see back. And then you have Chuma Idoga, who was the third-round pick a couple of years ago. Did not really see much action this year. What can you say at this point? I think it's just a third-round pick. Most of your third-round picks missed. This was like the one attempt the Jets ever made under Mike McCagden to address the offensive line early in the draft. In fact, I believe Adoga is the only player in McCagden's five years who was drafted before the fifth round as an offensive lineman. And he was only drafted in the third round, which, again, shows you the team-building concepts the Jets had under the previous general manager. There were hopes maybe he could develop into a left tackle. There were hopes maybe he could develop, if nothing else, into a swing tackle, a backup, maybe your first, your third tackle on your team, first guy off the bench at either right tackle or left tackle. I think at this point, it's not going to work out. He's probably a decent fourth tackle on your team, but now we're really talking about the back end of depth. You know, he's entering his fourth season in the NFL in 2022, so he'll be cheap. I don't think he's really quality depth. I guess you could keep him around if he's your number four tackle, but he's not really a guy I'd count on for anything more going forward, and I think it's become clear at this point that he's not part of the solution for this football team. 
So that's a rundown of the guys who saw fairly prominent playing time for the Jets in 2021. But now we have an offseason to deal with. Who should come back? What should the Jets' approach be? There are lots of questions, and we're going to address many of them ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. You know, when he was hired as GM a couple of years ago, Joe Douglas promised that he was going to fix the offensive line of the Jets. You may find yourself needing to fix your car or truck, and you should consider Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto, and you should know that Rock Auto is a family business. It's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Tuesday, talking about the Jets' offensive line. This is an interesting position group when we head into the offseason, because there are plenty of questions to ask. One of the lesser questions is probably, what do you do with Greg Van Roten? I don't think he's coming back as a, as a start, starter for the Jets. Could he come back as a backup? You know, it depends on whether what we saw in 2021 signifies the player he is right now. Because the guy we saw in 2021 is not worth bringing back for $3.5 million as a backup. A $3.5 million backup for an interior offensive lineman, not the worst thing in the world. And the player Van Roten was in the past possibly could justify it. But at 32 years of age, I would be inclined to say move on. Save the $3.5 million, go somewhere else. Another question is what happens at right guard? Do you bring Duverde Tardif back? Maybe. I don't know that you want to guarantee him a starting job. That said... Is he going to be guaranteed a starting job by somebody else? Could you bring him back on the promise you can compete for the job? That's an interesting question. There are some other guards available. You've got Lakin Tomlinson, who Mike LaFleur has a history with uh, about to hit free agency from San Francisco. Brandon Scherf is a free agent every year for Washington. Getting up there in years, durability, kind of a question, but a guy who's been very good when he's played throughout his career. You could also look to the draft. Joe Douglas has drafted an offensive lineman both of the drafts he's run for the Jets in the first round. Ekwanu out of NC State, a guy who could be on the table for the Jets in the top 10. That's, you know, that's a possible solution there. So interesting spot for the Jets at the right guard position. But the tackle's also interesting spot. That's an interesting spot as well because there are lots of different ways the Jets could go here. It's not necessarily that great of a need for this team, but... It, there's a question about whether you want an offensive line that's just good enough to get by or whether you want to really build this into a dominant unit. So I don't know that the Jets are going to be interested in Armstead from New Orleans as a free agent, although I would not hate that signing. I know it's not a need, but you get a, a potential you know top blue chip left tackle. That's something that I'm always interested in. So I, I don't know that the Jets are going to go in that direction. I think if they go on the offensive line, especially at the tackle position, it would probably be in the draft. So could it be a, a Charles Cross? Could it be an Evan Neal? You know, I, I don't know. I would not be shocked to see the Jets do that, even though it's not a big need, because 
I get the feeling Joe Douglas wants to build this into a dominant unit. I think that's one of the questions. Do you just want to be good enough to get by, or do you want to dominate on the offensive line? I think Douglas wants to dominate, so I would not be shocked to see the Jets go offensive line either at 4 or 10. And that leads to questions about the tackle position. What are you going to get out of Mekhi Becton? I'm not really sure. Another question is about George Fant, who's entering the final year of his contract. And the probably probably what you'd want to do in a normal situation is Fant's coming off a really good year. It was kind of a guy who was the developmental guy early in his career, did not have a lot of football experience, especially at the tackle position. And maybe he's developing. Maybe he's finally turned into the, the tackle everybody wanted him to be. But I think this is an interesting case of self-scouting because – I think the Jets need to determine whether George Fant's growth was real or whether it was just a career year and he's going to regress. Because if his growth was real, you want to re-sign him. You don't want him to hit the open market next year. However, if you feel like last year was kind of a fluke where Fant maybe played over his head a little bit, maybe this is the time you trade him. You trade the guy while his value is high. You get as much as you can in return. So lots of interesting questions for the Jets on the offensive line. I think that this is one of the most fascinating position groups because there aren't a lot of obvious answers. That, and you can see the Jets could go any, any number of ways. I have my own guesses about what Joe Douglas wants, but we'll see, what, we'll see whether I'm right or not. I think that there are lots of different possible outcomes, whether you're talking about how the Jets deal with right guard, when you talk about how they view the line as a whole, when you talk about Fant, when you talk about Becton. We'll see. I'm not really sure exactly what the Jets... I have my guesses, but I'm not sure. There's nothing that would really surprise me on the offensive line. So we'll just wait and see. Anyway, for today, that's it. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Our motto is your team every day. We're free and available on all platforms. If you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode. If you're watching on YouTube and like this episode, thumbs up. Helps other Jets fans find the channel. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow we will have our weekly mailbag here on the Locked On Jets podcast.